For those of you who have been following me for a little while, know that I am big on relationships and talking about the importance of our relationships. And you don't have to just take my word for it. There's an abundance of scientific literature that speaks to the direct and significant positive impact that quality relationships have on the overall well-being and the health outcomes that we experience through life. So for those of you who are really looking to understand a little bit more about how to deepen your relationship with others, how to increase your self-awareness and deepen your connection with yourself and your soul essence, I have created a free guide that is packed with self-reflection exercises and practical strategies that are guiding you through deepening your understanding of how to incorporate your love languages or preferences with a more spiritual lens. You can get access to my Love Languages and Spirituality workbook completely free. There is a link enclosed in the show notes, or you can also find it in my Instagram at integrated underscore wisdom. Welcome to the Integrated Wisdom Podcast. I am your host, Tatiana Da Silva. Join me as we discuss what it means to live an integrated life and explore ways for you to create a life filled with greater meaning, peace, and connection. By integrating the wisdom of spirituality, psychology, neuroscience, epigenetics, and energy psychology, I hope to empower you to create deeper and more loving connections with yourself and others, whilst also paving the way for humanity at large to be reimagined and inspired to become the very best version of itself. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Integrated Wisdom Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me again today. So today I'm going to be speaking about the power of compassion and particularly how that's channeled through caring for others through charity, not necessarily in the conventional way, but how we, how when we help other people, the transformative power that that has, not only for our ability to affect positive change in other people's lives, in the world, but also within ourselves. And to do that, I want to start by sharing a little story. So many years ago, before I started working in clinical practice, I worked within a corporate setting. And as part of the role that I had there, I was required to provide training to, to internal staff on a variety of different topics. And before I could do that training work, the company had me do a short course to upskill myself on facilitating training workshops. And with the idea being that I would get certified as a trainer and I could then go on and facilitate workshops. Now, it was a really important step in terms of career progression. So, of course, when the opportunity was given to me, I said yes. But I have always been absolutely terrified 
petrified even of public speaking. And in the course of that workshop, that training workshop, we obviously learnt all the theory and the techniques and then as part of the assessment process, we were required to run a short training session on a topic of our choice to demonstrate that we had integrated all the concepts that we were learning. And I was in a room full of people that I knew that I felt very comfortable with. And yet when it was time for me to get up there and do my little training, I became so hyper-focused on what I was saying, how I was coming across, how I sounded, if my voice sounded shaky and what started to happen. And for those of you who have had experiences like this and are also self-conscious when it comes to doing, being the center of attention, the more I focused on the things that I felt uncomfortable with about how I was coming across, the worse they became. (laughs) The more my mind started freezing at times and it was just horrific. Like it was painful to watch. I'm sure everybody there felt quite shocked (laughs) that I just basically disintegrated in front of them from so much anxiety, so much performance anxiety. But then as I started getting comfortable, obviously, despite that terrible fail, I was given my certification to be a facilitator and I started running training for the company. And people talk about all sorts of tricks to get through running public speaking events. People talk about imagining the audience naked and focusing on just one person. There's all sorts of little tips and tricks. And one of the tricks that was given to me was to to keep at the forefront of my mind that the people were coming to learn from me. They were hoping to get something from that session. And as long as I focused on the fact that I had the knowledge that they were seeking and I just focused on imparting that information for their benefit, that would allow things to flow. And curiously, that's exactly what happened. The more I focused on servicing their needs, trying to get the information across to them as clearly as possible, focusing on whether they were understanding the topics, inviting engagement from the participants, the less I felt anxious, the more things flowed smoothly. So there's a really interesting parallel here. On the one hand, the more I focus on myself, the more disconnected I feel from what I'm trying to do. The more self-conscious I feel, the more I stumble, the more messy it comes. You can feel like a tunnel where almost everyone else in the room just blanks out and you're just so aware of yourself and how you're, what you're thinking and what you're feeling, completely disconnected from others around you. But when you start to focus on serving them and providing them with the information and the knowledge that they're seeking, immediately you start to feel really connected, things start to flow, and the whole experience transforms for not just myself, I'm obviously not feeling so anxious or self-conscious, but also for the participants. They're now engaging, they're learning, they're getting what they came to to get from this experience or what they needed. 
And as I reflected on this example, it really brought home to me how this isn't true just in the context of public speaking or facilitating training. This applies to any situation where there is an emotional output involved, where there are emotional struggles involved. Focusing on others can help us even rise out of our own suffering. There's actually an abundance of research on this. For a lot of people who struggle with depression, one of the the gold standard strategies that we will use in the beginning of treatment is we focus on behavior activation. So getting the person doing things that are meaningful, that are good for them. And often we begin with things like making sure that they have a routine, making sure that they're getting up at the same time every day, that they're getting some gentle exercise, that they're eating with consistency and nutritiously, ideally. (laughs) So we focus on getting them active, right? So the first step is getting them to take care of themselves. But often another necessary step to start helping people come out the other side is to engage them or guide them towards activities that are meaningful, that give them a sense of purpose. It's not uncommon that people will then start looking at things like adopting a rescue animal or volunteering their time for charity of their choice or even doing some kind of other directed work. And in that process of caring for others, of finding meaning and purpose in caring for someone other than themselves, it it can have this transformative effect of lifting them out of their depression and allowing them to start finding meaning and joy in their day-to-day again. Very gradually, of course, like there's no magic wands here. But the more they start to focus on other people, the more they start to feel better about themselves. There are some fundamental emotional and psychological needs that all human beings possess. We are hardwired for connection. We have this inbuilt need to feel a sense of belonging, to feel connected with those around us, to feel accepted, but we also have a deep need to feel purposeful. It's so important for us to feel like we are serving the world in some way. And I'm not talking about big, like, life-changing transformations. I'm talking about serving just in the sense of providing something to somebody else that is of value to them and taking pride in that. This is what I bring to the world, however small. That has such a, a unique ability to fill us with a sense of joy, with a sense of self, with a sense of meaning. And it's so much easier in so many ways to be able to access that while when we're focusing on helping others. 
This makes sense because when you think about certain mental health conditions like depression and anxiety, they actually isolate the, the person suffering from those around them. Depression sucks the person inwards. They're focusing constantly on themselves, their lack of joy, their, their sense or perceived sense of lack of self-worth and feeling like a burden to others. There's all these things that show up on, when a, an individual is struggling with depression that is essentially sequester them within themselves, cuts them off from those around them and the world around them. And with anxiety, it's, it's very similar, but in a different way. Whilst anxiety is about being too far forward in the present and worrying about a whole potential list of things that could happen, it's still very self-focused. I mean, sometimes there's anxiety around bad things happening to people that we love, but the anxiety there is still about how will I suffer if that happens. So it's still very self-focused. And so in our ability to then become other-focused and focusing and anchoring ourselves in how we can serve, how we can help, how we can connect, it becomes this lifeline that pulls us out of ourselves, helps us shift and reframe our perspective on what matters, and allows us to find a sense of meaning and purpose and belonging again. In fact, Viktor Frankl, who was a phenomenal human being and psychotherapist, he was a psychiatrist, but for those of you who are not familiar with his work, I highly suggest that you read his book, Man's Search for Meaning. It's Viktor Frankl. It's a sad book, but it's at the same time a very inspiring book because Dr. Frankl was in one of the concentration camps during World War II and lost several family members during that period and luckily survived, was able to come out of concentration camps, resume his career as a psychiatrist, and he wrote this book, Men's Search for Meaning, and introduced his own methodology around this, which he called logotherapy. And in essence, as Dr. Frankel chronicles his time in the concentration camps, he starts outlining how so many of the people that were able to survive those horrendous conditions, and they were horrendous, were able to do because they were they were able to anchor themselves in a sense of meaning. They were able to care for their fellow inmates. They were able to find a higher purpose to their suffering. And and Dr. Frankel surmised this that the human beings are able to withstand the worst of atrocities, the worst of the most challenging of challenges, so long as they're able to find and attribute a sense of meaning to that experience. And what greater sense of meaning and purpose is there than when we're able to provide some kind of care or comfort for others? There are a number of studies that show the emotional, psychological, and physiological positive effects of engaging in some kind of charitable work. It reduces our blood pressure, 
It improves our overall sense of well-being, increases our immunity, obviously lowers our sense of depression, stress, anxiety, allows us to feel more closely connected with others, gives us a sense of belonging, helps us to find meaning and purpose, which therefore feeds into a greater sense of self, greater sense of self-confidence. There's a number of benefits that come from this. And if we were to apply a purely evolutionary perspective to this, we know, evolutionary speaking, that behaviours that propel us forward, that increase our chances of survival, that make us more adaptable, are like functional behaviours and therefore are encouraged to be passed on. And so when we engage in behaviours that lead to positive physiological effects, we know that there is something really powerful about that particular behaviour in terms of its ability to promote our wellness, our ability to survive, to pass on our genes. There is this mistaken quote people often attribute Charles Darwin to saying that evolution is really about the survival of the fittest, implying that it's a dog-eat-dog world and only the strong will make it. And that's actually not what he said. Charles Darwin was talking about survival of the most adaptable, about our ability to adapt and be flexible. And in being able to provide care for others, adjusting to situations and reaping such tangible emotional, mental and physical benefits from that, that is telling us something about how crucial this is to us as individuals but to our species as a whole. I think it's important to say that when I'm talking about doing charitable work, I'm not just talking about donating money, though of course there are benefits to that. For those who have the means to do, they can get a lot of those positive benefits just from donating financially. But I'm really more specifically speaking about donating our time, helping in small ways. Yes, being a a regular volunteer for a particular charity will allow you to develop that sense of community, that sense of ongoing purpose and meaning, and it's really helpful for your your overall well-being and connectedness with others. But I don't want to diminish the power of those small acts of kindness that sometimes we can do on a day-to-day basis and how powerful the effect that has to increase the quality of our day, but also of the day of the person that we interact with. But with the advance of social media, it became a little bit popular for a bit there. There was a little bit of a fad where people were filming themselves doing charitable acts. And I think anything that benefits others is a positive. But I do think that one's intentions in being in self-promoting in that way might undermine slightly the the overall pureness of an act like that. But small acts of kindness 
can be something so simple and easy to weave into our days that can have this amazing effect. So, for example, I think it's an act of kindness to give way to somebody in traffic. That is an act of kindness. If you see somebody who looks really beautiful that day, even if it's a stranger, just giving them that compliment. Wow, you look beautiful today. Or I really love your outfit. It has such an ability to transform that person's day. Like you can see it in their demeanor, but also if you're good. Some people will say that there's no such thing as true altruism because whenever we're giving something, it's never 100% selfless because we get benefits from that. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, the fact that we're getting rewarded suggests that it's something that we should be doing. We know exercise is something that we get physical rewards from. It manages our mental health. It lowers our blood pressure, our cholesterol. It improves our immunity, our strength. And it's curious to learn that there's so many studies that show that charitable work or engaging in any kind of charitable activity has the exact same physiological consequences in the body, like with exercise, like eating a nutritious whole food-based diet, like getting adequate sleep. There are studies that I have read that show that charitable work even has the power to reduce inflammation in our bodies. So these are all clues to us that our, not our bodies, but our spirit really benefit and thrive with these sorts of activities. And from a spiritual perspective, it makes sense. We're here, as I've said in in previous episodes, where I talk about the spiritual meaning of life and existence. We're here to spiritually evolve towards becoming pure, unconditional love. And so caring for others, doing things that benefit others, has this positive benefit for ourselves because we're interconnected. Right? We're, we're part of this oneness that where I do what I do for someone else, I'm also doing to myself. For those of you who are a little curious about some of this research that I'm talking about, I will link in some studies or articles in the show notes for those of you who are curious to learn a little bit more about this. But as I'm speaking about all of this, I'm wondering whether you're thinking to yourselves, oh, I've, can you reflect on times when you have done a small act of kindness and how that made you feel? Have you ever engaged in voluntary work or done something like that and noticed the effects that it had for you? Part of how it helped you feel maybe a little bit more part of a community, how it might have helped you feel a little bit more positive about yourself. And I encourage you to maybe reflect on that every day. What's a small opportunity that may come up for me to do something kind for somebody else? And just notice that. Not necessarily with the intention of getting the benefit from that. (laughs) There's nothing, there's no shame in the fact that there's a benefit to you too. It's probably what a true sense of a win-win really is, right? To be able to do something that, that benefits somebody else whilst also benefiting me.
So I encourage you to think about that. Like I said, it doesn't have to be big acts of charity. It doesn't have to be volunteering every week. Though, of course, all these things are so needed and so appreciated by by the organizations running those activities. But it can be something really small that you can find throughout your day that you're able to do. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I'd love to hear ways in which you may have engaged with some charitable work or maybe where you've been the recipient of an act of kindness and how that impacted you. What benefits may have come from that small interaction? We have the power to create a world that's so much more loving and every tiny step that we take towards being kind to other people is a significant step in that direction. It's that whole concept that there's no such thing as too small of an effort. Every little effort counts because there's a ripple effect. The person that I I do something kind to might then in turn pass that on to somebody else in the way that they interact. They might have a better day and then go home and be extra loving to their child. And there's, there's so many invisible ripple effects from just a small, simple act. So I would love to hear your thoughts on this. You can always reach me on Instagram at integrated underscore wisdom. I really do welcome any and all questions, thoughts, your own experiences, and for us to keep this conversation going. I hope you'll have a lovely week and I'll speak to you all next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Integrated Wisdom. It is my sincere wish that today's episode may have intrigued and inspired you to reclaim your power and step into becoming more fully integrated spiritual beings. New episodes are published every Wednesday, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we dive deeper into what it means to live an integrated life. So if it feels aligned to you, I invite you to hit subscribe and share it with others who you feel may benefit too. You may also find me on Instagram at integrated underscore wisdom. Remember, each moment is an opportunity to embrace your divine potential and create a world that is more frequently inspired. So for now, stay connected, stay inspired, and keep shining your light into the world.